This is The Replay, sports on the big screen, a podcast about the greatest sports movies of all time. I'm your host, Bruce Murray. Do you believe in miracles, Bruce? Because we're going to talk about it right now. The voice of Patrick O'Brien Dempsey. He plays the role of Mike Ruzioni in the 2004 film Miracle. For those in need of a refresher, Miracle tells the story of the 1980 United States men's hockey team, captained by Ruzioni and made up entirely of college players. A team that defied all the odds and beat the dominant Soviets en route to one of the most miraculous Olympic gold medal wins in American history. Remember, this was taking place during the heart of the Cold War, so this rivalry went well beyond the sporting arena. If you're a hockey fan or you're over the age of 45 as I am, you probably have fond memories of this team. You probably remember exactly where you were when you learned that the United States had beaten the Soviets. And remember, the game wasn't even broadcast live. It was broadcast on tape delay, but... Back in 1980, we didn't have access to the scores, so you might as well have been watching it live. It was extraordinary. Now, if you're not over 45, well, that's what the movie is for. Directed by Gavin O'Connor, who also directed another sports film, Warrior, from 2011, Miracle centers around Team USA's head coach and eventual Hockey Hall of Fame inductee, the great, late Herb Brooks, played by Kurt Russell, almost to a T. Brooks was a larger-than-life character, He was also notoriously very tough on his players. But as Aruzioni explains, this is what made him such a successful coach. Well, a lot of times we didn't like him, but we never didn't respect him. And there was never a time where we didn't trust him. I I use an analogy a lot. His word was like your dad. You know, you love your dad, but sometimes you hate your dad because he makes you do things you don't want to do. I mean, that was her. Herb was a legend in Minnesota. After playing four years with the Golden Gophers beginning in 1955, he became the program's head coach in 1972. Throughout the 70s, his Minnesota teams would win three national championships. They were one of the powerhouses of college hockey, along with programs like Boston College, Boston University, North Dakota, and the University of Michigan. There weren't many coaches in the game who had more power than Herb Brooks. It's why the filmmakers needed someone like Kurt Russell to portray Herb's power and presence. Because the film gave most of its emotional weight to the character of Herb Brooks, it allowed the filmmakers to cast actual hockey players as Team USA members. Here's Gavin O'Connor. Well, it would have been hard if I had, if I had to teach actors to play hockey, which is what they wanted me to do. They wanted all actors in the movie. And I was like, that's that's a crazy thing to say. Like, there's no way we're doing that. Like, I want to get hockey players and teach them how to not act. But how the hell am I going to teach these actors to play at the level? And like, oh, you can get doubles. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how I'm going to shoot the movie. So fortunately, when I walked them through that idea of how, and I wanted to get kids from Boston to play the Boston players, even lefties, you know, Callahan's, I needed a lefty. I got all, I made sure that was all accurate. The kids from, um, Minnesota, I cast kids from Minnesota. And then I had a couple, you know, for Jimmy Craig, I had an actor because he, that was the one place I could cheat because he had a mask on. But everybody else were hockey players. The earlier mentioned Patrick O'Brien Dempsey was one of these hockey players. You know, I played uh, Division Three college hockey, uh, mostly on the bench. If you look up my stats online, you can look in Hockey DB and you'll see my two, two collegiate goals that I have. But yeah, you know, I, I just, I was doing an internship and I, one day I thought, you know what, maybe I'll go to acting school once I get done with this. And uh, I went online to look for acting schools and, and I was sort of uh, slacking off at my internship doing this. 
what I found was an open casting call for hockey players that could act. And within 24 hours, I was in my first audition in Boston. Patrick was perfect for the role. Not only could he actually play hockey, but he also bore a striking resemblance to Mike Ruzioni. They were roughly the same weight, same height, had the same eyes, both shot left-handed, and both had the accent that was distinct and told you they were from Massachusetts. What the director, Gavin O'Connor, had said to me, he said, you've got everything I need for Mike Ruzioni. You're, you're the person that I need for this. So if you can just be yourself, you've already brought to the table everything that I need for Mike. And, and my personality, I like getting people together. I like bringing people together. And so he said, you know, just, just be that. Be yourself and you have what it takes. So Patrick is cast in his first movie playing an incredibly important character. Heading into his first day on the set, he's, of course, nervous. He felt out of his depth. But Gavin O'Connor had some tricks up his sleeve to make sure he got the best out of his young actor. The first scene that we shot in the movie, we were outside of the bus when we had just gotten to, the, uh, no, it was before the Olympics, uh, and we confronted Coach Brooks about bringing in another player, right? This is the first scene we ever shot, and apparently it was strategic because we were supposed to be intimidated by Coach Brooks, and we had only met Kurt Russell briefly up until that point. Kurt Russell at the time was one of the biggest stars in the world. He'd been in countless big-time movies, including Escape from New York, of course a classic, who can forget it, as well as its sequel, Escape from L.A., John Carpenter's The Thing, which I happen to have loved, and Big Trouble in Little China, and a whole lot more. You know, what's funny is when I, when I agreed to do the movie, the studio wanted Michael Douglas to play Herb. And I thought that was, a you know, I'm like, oh, it's interesting. You know, he looks like Herb. Like, I don't know what kind of athleticism he has, but... So I met with Michael and I'm a huge, I was a big Michael Douglas fan. So it was all good, but he was uh, very, as I kept saying, he's skating around the skating issue because I was, I needed, he needed to, I mean, we all know Herb's skills as a hockey player. So the, I, I needed him to learn. He had about five months before we started principal to skate every day and learn how to, you know, get up on the ice. Cause he was a skier and I just never got, I never got a straight answer from him whether he would actually do that for me. So I went to, I went back to the studio. I said, I'd really like to meet with Kurt Russell because I knew Kurt had been in locker rooms to start with and he knew, and he was an athlete and I knew his son was a hockey player. So I flew to Vancouver cause he was living there cause of his, his son Wyatt was playing hockey and he picked me up at the airport. And, and when we got in his car, his first question to me was, he looks, he's, he looks at me and goes, so what do you think of the script? And I said, I don't think it's really that good. And he said, um, we're going to be good. You and me are going to be fine. Because I told him the truth and he knew it too. And, you know, we did, a, and, and Mike Ritz did a lot of the work, you know, but I had a, you know, we, we just did a lot of heavy lifting to get the script to a place that um, I felt good. Russell had a commanding presence, which was perfect for his portrayal of Herb Brooks. So... I know that our director wanted a sort of air of mystery about him uh, and, and, and for us to be intimidated a little bit. But I'll tell you, that's when I learned about the magic of it. We had prepared for an entire month uh, and I walked into this scene and it was late at night. We shot all night and the rest of the world disappeared. And it was pretty incredible to see the power of Kurt Russell to just suck us all into his world you know, as, as, as our coach, uh, pretty amazing. 
to experience that process. Then it was time to film the hockey scenes. Now, this part of the process was much tougher than many had anticipated for a number of reasons. The first being the fitness level that was required from the players. Our director brought us together, you know, the first day we went to shoot it. And he said, uh, you guys are going to want to kill me for the next three days. But we're going to make something that's going to last forever. And I think we can all give up three days for something that's going to last forever. And uh, we were ready to charge to a brick wall at that point for him. So <laughs> it was on. The second reason was it's incredibly difficult to choreograph hockey. It doesn't really, it's such a fluid game. It, it doesn't really work. So what we ended up doing was we shot all the goals. We made sure we had all the goals, uh, you know, close enough to, to the way that they, you know, happen in real life. And then I can't even remember if it was an entire week, but they set up cameras. Oh, they set up five cameras and we were shooting on film at the time. Uh, this was not digital. So they were running through film like crazy and we would just play. Gavin O'Connor. I didn't replicate every play. I replicated the big plays, all the goals. That was exact. In the choreography, what I what I discovered. Look, I played sports all my life, so I, I understood. Like, so the sports part of it was easy for me. My two great loves as a kid was sports and theater and like movies. So it was kind of like the perfect storm for me of this thing. And and I knew that's why I was like, I, I kind of know how to do this. But the choreography was my first time doing choreography, and what I discovered. What I would just work for me was like, let's get the choreography right, like a ballet. And then I, I would always say to them, like, now deconstruct it. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, deconstruct it. I, it looks choreographed. We have to now, de everyone knows where they're supposed to be, what lane they're in, this and that. Now just deconstruct it so it feels natural. If, if it doesn't work, I don't care if the puck doesn't, we'll just go right back to one and start again because I want it to feel real. Once they knew the choreography, it was about like just unwinding it in a way that made it feel natural and real. Which, once again, you can do with people who, these kids can really play hockey, so it wasn't that hard. The young hockey players turned actors put in a lot of work during filming, especially, and we all remember this if we've seen the movie, in the scene that comes after Team USA ties an exhibition game against Norway. Brooks notices his players aren't playing as hard as he wants them to, so he forces them to skate back and forth between lines on the ice in a scene that made me uncomfortable. It was hard to watch, it seemed so real, those drills have now become known as Herbie's. That particular scene, I had told the kids that I'm going to be a nightmare. I'm going to skate you guys into the ground. And I said, just know that. And that's, it's, this is what we do for a movie. Like, you guys have to prepare for that. And, and they were. So um, I just skated them into the ground until they were exhausted. They kicked the crap out of us. They, did. they weren't going to leave it up to me to try to act that out. They were going to make it happen. <laughs> This hard work certainly paid off. The final product, incredible. When Mike Ruzioni first saw the film, he was impressed, especially by the accuracy of the hockey scenes. I know the goals that were scored in the movie were scored exactly where they were during the game, which I think they wanted to make sure make that a point because people remembered where the goals were scored and how they were scored. There were some things, however, that the movie took liberties with. Ruzioni's biggest gripe with the film was its lack of focus on certain members of the team. And a lot of my teammates aren't mentioned in the movie. Uh, and I, I wish they had done a better job of letting people know everything about each member of the team and not just a few of us. Kenny Morrow was a great defenseman on our team and he's hardly mentioned in the movie. And at one point during the movie, Kenny stands up and goes, hey, was I even on this bleeping team? <laughs> and we just, thought, we all started kind of laughing a little. And 
you know, quickly as we're talking about it, we determined three things that O'Callaghan played more in the movie than he did during the Olympics. Harrington played better in the movie than he did during the Olympics. And, and Jimmy made a lot of saves, but he didn't make that many saves. I mean, in the movie, it's like our defensemen weren't even out on the ice. Save Craig, save Craig, save Craig, save Craig. And our poor defensemen are going, wait a minute. I, I think I played and helped out a little here. I, I kind of tell people it's the Herb Brooks story and we're a part of it. On the subject of Herb Brooks, there was one key difference between the legendary coach and the character that Russell portrayed on the screen. They softened him up in the movie. They showed this quieter side to Herb, which we, we as players never saw. Even the Minnesota guys told us, and nine of them played under him at the University of Minnesota. He was demanding. He was challenging. But then again, I always tell people, that's how coaches coached in the 70s. That's what it was like. You deal with it, you quit. I'm not quitting. You can yell at me all you want. Thankfully for the team, though, assistant coach Craig Patrick helped ease some of the tensions between the players and their demanding head coach. Craig was the good guy for us to talk to and say, Craig, he's got to back off a little. Or he's got to just, you know, let us have a little fun out here. Let us, you know, know, let us relax a little. And and Herb knew what he was doing. Uh, He said it from the beginning. There's a method to my madness. And we always wondered what that method was. In the movie, Herb's intensity is shown early on in a scene where he selects his team after a single day of tryouts, according to Gavin, didn't quite happen this way. Herb took a vast amount of time to choose the team because, as he told me, he was dealing with the, you know, the IOC and every different committee, and, and there was a lot of political pressure on him to um, people weighing in to choose this, the 20 kids. And it was just very kind of turgid. It doesn't work in, in a movie. And also it didn't work for character. So I called up Herb one day and I said, I said, Herb, did you know your team going in? And he said, yeah. He goes, I had the 20 names written down a piece of paper. And I said, well, why did you take, it was like three months to choose the team. And he said, for all those reasons, all the politics. He goes, I go, but in the end, was it the same 20? He goes, same 20. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, Herb, like I'm going to, give you a little lesson in movie making. This is called the spirit of the story, the spirit of your life. The spirit is you would have chosen the team in a day, but you couldn't. So I said, and in, in, in for movie language, for me, I said, I'm going to have you choose a team in a day because in choosing the team for the day, you are going to ruffle feathers and it's a great way into the movie where you're pissing everybody off. You're going to do it your way. Blah, blah, blah. It was probably what I was doing when I was making the movie. And, um, and he was like, but I said, I need your permission. It's your story, man. I, can't, I would never do it without your permission. And he said, yes. Like, he loved it. I would have done that. And, you know, a little remythologizing the story a little bit. <laughs> only one person was picking this team and one person only. And it was going to be Herb Brooks. There wasn't a staff of people that were going to help select our, our team. So 68 guys competed against each other. 26 of us were selected. Um, and throughout the course of the year, six were going to get cut from the team. And two guys get cut right when we got back from Europe. So we were down to 24 players. And then we embarked on what was going to be five plus months in the United States getting ready for the games. At one point in the film, we see a player, Ralph Cox, played by Kenneth Mitchell, get called into Herb Brooks' office and told he'll be cut from the team to make room for a new player who'd been having a great collegiate season. That part of the story is actually true. Herb did bring in a couple of players later in the year and, uh, we weren't very happy about that. Uh, I think as a team, we felt, you know, we said, if you're going to replace me, replace me with somebody who was one of the original 26 and, and not these guys who were having great college seasons. We felt they were at the tryouts. They had a chance to showcase themselves and 
obviously didn't showcase themselves enough at the tryout, but yet went and had great college careers. And when you look back, we all had great college careers and we we're all uh, pretty good college players. So we weren't very happy with, with Herb bringing in these players. I guess looking back on it now, it was just Herb's way of just motivating everybody, realizing that you're not set. Don't be comfortable. I can replace you tomorrow. Earlier, we touched on the memorable scene in the film where Herb gets his players to run that drill known as Herbie's. Brooks is relentless throughout the whole sequence. He tells his players to run the drill again and again before Patrick, as Mike Ruzioni stands up, introduces himself and says, I play for the United States of America. This grueling exercise actually happened in real life. However, it played out a little differently than it does in the film. You know, I didn't say Mike Ruzioni, United States of America. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken me an hour and a half to figure that line out. I get people that really, you know, and I t- sometimes I tell people I said it because they want to believe it. I remember the drill ended when Mark Johnson smashed a stick against the glass and Herb said, if I hear another goddamn stick smashed against the glass, you'll skate till you die. And then we went in the locker room and we, he told us if we pl- skated that played this way again, we were going to skate again. And we won eight to nothing the next day. I thought that scene should have been in the movie. So Brooks works these guys into the ground until they become the team that he wants them to be. And just in time for the Olympics. But despite what the film wants us to believe, as the tournament rolled around, the team's focus wasn't on the Soviets. We weren't even thinking about the Soviets going into the Olympic Games. They were in the other division. We had to worry about Sweden, Czechoslovakia, West Germany, Norway, and Romania. Our goal going into the Lake Placid was to get to the medal round. Get to the medal round, then anything can happen. We never thought about the Soviets until the day before we were getting ready to play them. The game in Lake Placid was never talked about, never brought up, never discussed. It was like the game never even existed. You know, Herb getting ready for the Soviets the second time, he didn't say, guys, remember the last time we played them? It was never even brought up. The USA would tie Sweden 2-2 in the first game of the Olympics. And I remember specifically watching that game with my dad. If you don't remember it, Bill Baker, the defenseman, scored a goal late in that game to tie it up at 2-2. And we were all going crazy. We never thought it would end the way it did. But we just thought, wow, the United States just tied a great hockey team. And they moved on to the next game. They would then beat the Czechs 7-3, Norway 5-1, Romania 7-2, and West Germany 5-2. And we still didn't really believe. It put them atop their division with Sweden, but the reward facing the greatest team in the world, the Soviets. This leads us to another memorable moment in the film. Kurt Russell's speech to the team in the locker room right before the game. Herb stands in front of his players, looks them in the eyes and tells them, tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. He also uses a line that I've used a number of times and anybody that's coached any kids at any level has probably used the line as well. If we played them 10 times, they may beat us nine, but not tonight. It's an incredibly cinematic scene and one of the most rewatchable sequences in the film. Here's how Mike Ruzioni remembers Herb's real-life speech. I don't remember it as long as the movie's speech, and I've only seen the movie, well, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember the speech as you were born to be a player, you were meant to be here, this moment is yours. But I do remember in the practice the day before how we talked about many times they're ripe, they're ready to be beat. If anybody can beat him, you guys can. He was so positive leading up to the game the day before in practice. And I believe he probably said things like, you know, we only have to play him once. If we have to play him 10 times, you know, 
they might be, you know, those those comments could have came as we were skating around in a circle practicing. One game was all the United States needed to beat the Soviets. They would win 4-3 in the same manner depicted in the film, Mike Arruzzioni scoring a go-ahead goal with 10 minutes remaining, and the United States held on, spawning Al Michaels' famous line, Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Most people think that was the gold medal game, but it wasn't. The United States still had to play Finland in the gold medal game on Sunday morning. Herb Brooks didn't want his players resting on their laurels, so the morning after the game against the Soviets, he put his players back to work. And it might have been the hardest practice or second hardest practice we had all year. He skated our asses off Saturday morning, up and down the ice and back and forth, and I'm like, you know, why is he so pissed off? We just beat the Soviets. And he did what he needed to do to get all that energy out of us, all that excitement out of us. We walked in, we were signing autographs, we were signing pictures, and he flipped the table up and he was screaming and it was like, oh my God. I, I laugh at it now because we were ready to play Finland. The USA would go on to defeat Finland 4-2 in a game that was broadcast live on Sunday morning. Now, a little story about that. I was returning home from spring break with my parents being down in Florida and sat in an airport because the game was played, I think, at around 9 o'clock in the morning. And at the end of the first period, I'm pretty sure it was one nothing, and it was time to board the plane. I told my dad, I'm not going home. And he said, yes, you are. I didn't find out that we had won the gold medal until I returned to New York and learned of it on the news. But they did beat Finland 4-2. They did win the gold medal, and it capped a tournament run that was so unlikely, so inspirational, Hollywood could not resist putting it on the big screen. Here's Mike Ruzioni. When I watched the movie for the first time, it was at the premiere, just before the premiere in L.A., and I actually sat with Herb's family and could not believe how amazing Kurt Russell was as Herb. I mean, it was eerie. For the most part, I thought the movie was done well. Uh, a little Hollywoodish, obviously, at times, which you can expect. But, you know, again, I, I thought the movie captured what the moment was. The on-screen Mike Ruzioni, Patrick O'Brien Dempsey. It was horrifying to watch. I didn't, it took me many years to enjoy, to, to actually be able to sit down and enjoy the movie for, I guess, what I, what it is, what I think it is, you know? Um, yeah. When you see your, yourself, uh, you know, your face 20 feet tall and you've got snots coming out your nose, <laughs> like, you know, but that's the beauty of acting is, you know, you want it to be raw. You want it to be visceral and feel it like that. But, you know, for someone, I, I had never done that before. And sitting in the theater, I remember at the premiere, and I was sweating bullets. I mean, my entire, I had to walk out the, the exit in the theater to get in the hallway to try to air myself out. I was so nervous. I've only watched it a few times in the last few years because I have nieces and nephews who play hockey who are, you know, 8, 10, 12 years old. And they're just starting to put together my my niece actually just put it together recently that miracle is not just the movie that plays on the tv at her parents and her grandparents house that other people know about this <laughs> and she just said to me recently are you like famous <laughs> which was pretty funny miracle was released almost 20 years ago hard to believe isn't it and it's still regarded as one of the best and most inspiring sports movies of all time. Even if you're not a hockey fan or a sports fan, or even an American, Miracle strikes an emotional chord that very few movies do. It's why it will no question 
be remembered for years to come. It's kind of hard for me to encapsulate this movie in such a short period of time because it really did mean so much to me. Because of how it reminded me of a time that was so special in the life of a young sports fan. I mean, I'm literally in high school watching the United States beat the Soviets, which I thought was then impossible. And I'm not sure why it took 24 years for this movie to come out, but it's such a great reminder of those times. And if you're wondering that it took me 24 years to see the end of the Finland game, it didn't. Because I do remember right after the Olympics, there was a videotape that came out that was a documentary of the entire Olympics and featured that game against Finland. But watching it and learning how it was so truthful, speaking to Mike Ruzioni and learning that it portrayed it perfectly, it just sends chills up my spine. I remember the game at Madison Square Garden when they lost to the Soviets, and I remember the game when they played them in the Olympics and said, this is going to be impossible. And again, a reminder, it wasn't broadcast live, and yet we all sat and watched it as if it was, and I sat and watched with my family. I was down on spring break, as I mentioned earlier, and just came away in awe and then lived with stress for two days until they had to cement the Olympic gold medal by beating Finland on Sunday morning. It was just fabulous. Coming up next week on The Replay, sports on the big screen, the story of Muhammad Ali. Can you imagine a sports star today saying like, you know what, I, I, I don't like my sneakers being made by children. I, I don't think I'm going to take the 90 million bucks this year. Forget that. Ali put his entire life on the line. The Replay, Sports on the Big Screen, is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to our lead producer, Chris Tyler, our sound designer, Robert Moore, and SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.